The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, today our show is about so many really important current issues and privacy. And I am so thrilled that we are going to have this great guest who is a fantastic experienced litigator and privacy expert right here in Orange County, California. And I, I had the wonderful opportunity to meet him at a privacy conference and he was presenting and he was wonderful. And then we had a good chance to meet and talk because we're both certified information privacy professionals. And we had just the greatest time. He's wonderful. And he is a great, uh, you know, authority on privacy issues. And he litigates these issues. So let me tell you a little bit about Cameron Salur. He is an experienced litigator who's represented and defended companies and individuals in business disputes, often involving breach of contract, fraud, defamation, unfair competition claims, etc. His experience extends to cybersecurity, privacy, and data protection matters. And he is, as I said, a certified information privacy professional for the U.S. sector. He's a CIPP US, which I am as well with the International Association of Privacy Professionals. And he advises companies on cybersecurity compliance and defends them against claims of violating various privacy statutes, such as the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, that's TCPA, the Video Privacy Protection Act, VP. PPA. And Cameron is also a recognized expert in and frequent commenter on biometric privacy law, which I think is fascinating and scary at the same time. We'll talk about that. And he consults clients on compliance with U.S. and international regulations relating to cybersecurity and privacy, including compliance with the uh, European Union's General Data Protection Regulation, which is the acronym is GTDPR, and the new California Consumer Privacy Act, which is the CCPA. So he tackles a lot of things here, um, and he has a litigator's mentality, but he also has a kind of a negotiator and mediator pet, uh, mentality as well because he knows how to settle things. So uh, you can also follow him on Twitter at Cameron Salur, that's K-A-M-R-A-N-S-A-L-O-U-R, where he posts regularly on emergency privacy issues. And of course, 
Um, he will give us his website for the law firm that he works for as an attorney, and he does a great job. So, so Cameron, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Mari, for that wonderful introduction. It's really an honor to be here on your show. I know you've had some of the who's who in the privacy field in the past, and I'm really humbled uh, to, to be included in that, you know, on that list of, as, as one of your guests, and I'm, I'm really excited to be here and talk privacy. Yes, yes. So how is it that you became interested in privacy? You know, Mari, in a word, I, I would say behavior. I, I became a lawyer because of my interest in behavior and the way the law is designed to encourage certain behaviors and deter other ones. And with privacy, you know, we're still in the early stages of, of privacy, really, especially in the, in the U.S. sector. Um, and so there's not a lot of certainty yet as to what behaviors we as consumers are doing that impact privacy. And as businesses, there's still uncertainty as to what behaviors as a business we're taking that affects individuals' privacy. And so privacy to me right now represents this wonderful intersection of uncertainty, uh, of diverging interests, of competing interests, and it's really my job as a privacy lawyer to help remove some of that uncertainty and provide some clarity to the topic, and, and depending if it's a consumer or a business, because those interests are different. Yes, yes. Sometimes they seem like they're competing interests, right? They uh, definitely do. But I think we're, we're going to see more and more privacy. And there's not that many privacy lawyers around. And so that's what's so important about the work that you're doing. And I think as we go more and more into all the technology, it's going to be more and more important for lawyers to understand this because we can't even, the laws can't even keep up with what's going on, let alone understand all of these acronyms <laughs> from all these different laws. So that, That's absolutely right, Mari. <laughs> we have, you know, if you read in the news, you'll, you'll hear about various states uh, trying to push out various privacy laws. Some of them make it through and actually become laws. Uh, Nevada, for instance, has a new privacy law that's coming out, and of course, California. Uh, but you're right. The way these laws are, each state right now is different, and the businesses themselves, the, the companies that are charged with complying with the law, are going to have a hard time uh, at the early going because of all the emerging privacy issues and how businesses deal with personal information and personal data and how the laws are going to be interpreted by the courts. So you're right. It's it's important uh, for businesses to contact privacy attorneys to help them navigate these uncharted waters. And a lot of these companies are having their own chief privacy and chief security officers, and some of them are putting them together. I know I have a friend who is, she wears both hats as a chief privacy and a chief security officer because there's so much that they blend together, and you have to understand both. And it's, uh, yeah, it's crazy making. So, you know, a lot of us get these emails or get these letters in the mail, you know, about Capital One breach or, of course, the Equifax breach. I just got something about how I can apply for money from the Equifax breach because obviously my stuff was in there with, along with millions of other people. So we're hearing all the time about data breaches and, and some of these companies getting big fines, you know. So it, is there anything good going on 
<laughs> in terms of the environment of privacy and, and the whole climate of it? Yes, I, I think there is. And, and, and really what's good about it is that we're talking about privacy. Um, and, you know, maybe three or four years ago, if you were an individual using Facebook, posting lots of personal information, photographs, uh, you know, birthdays, uh, you know, information about your relatives, hobbies, all that kind of stuff, you, you probably didn't think twice that what you were doing um, would be exposing or, or, or divulging your personal information, which then Facebook could use um, as it deemed, you know, fit for, for business purposes. And now I think people are, um, at least some people are, and they're thinking twice. Now, obviously, people are still using Facebook, uh, but you hear about movements where people have stopped using Facebook. But I think the good thing about all of this, and in, 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 as you aptly described as somewhat of a negative privacy climate, is that people are talking about privacy, um, and with these new laws emerging in various states, uh, states are starting to really recognize that privacy uh, is a valid interest of, its, uh, of the state's residents, and it's something that needs to be protected. And so I think that's really what the positive step is, and it's always in those, you know, those old adages that the first step is sort of recognizing that there's a problem and then trying to address the problem. So I think certainly in California we've, we've identified, all right, there's an issue here with privacy. Let's go about fixing it. Obviously fixing it is going to be uh, a, a quite a challenge unto itself, but I think the positive right now is that privacy is, is something that people are talking about um, and really starting to understand. Right. You know, I recently interviewed Ann Kavukian again, who was the uh, privacy um, commissioner for Ontario, Canada, and she's the one who created Privacy by Design, that, that whole idea of building privacy into the architecture of whatever technology you're creating or whatever um, program you're, you're developing or even just, you know, your your service that you're creating and your so um are do you see that happening more in companies is really thinking about privacy when they're creating an, a new business and are they actually building it into the architecture of the company or organization yes not as much as i think we'll see you know five years ten years down the line but certainly it is something that uh, companies are starting to do um, and more, more, you know, emerging companies that are, uh, you know, newer technologies that they're using, newer businesses, they are trying to um, really sort of bake the privacy in, as it were. Um, but still, there's a ways to go, and I still think, you know, a lot of people will use that phrase, sort of privacy by design, um, without actually having the design to sort of complement what it is you're doing with the data, right? Because at the end of the day, the company needs to know what, it, what personal information it's collecting, from where, uh, with whom they're exchanging that personal information, why they're collecting it. Um, and I still think that a lot of companies haven't really answered those questions. I mean, if you, if you read in the, in the news, you'll hear, you know, with the, with the CCPA coming out, in January, they'll, you know, you'll see articles that say you know, X percentage of companies are ready or X percentage of companies are not ready. And there's usually a long, you know, it's usually you know, 20% are ready or 80% are not ready. And I think those are the companies that really haven't um, embraced the whole privacy by design um, mantra. 
And, and part of that is because they never had to before, and it's very difficult to change the way you've done business. Right. Uh, especially you know, very quickly. Yeah. And also, privacy by design means, you know, a lot of it is building into the architecture. So if you have a business that's already in progress, you know, and already, you know, going on, to then go back, it's harder. If you're building a new business, you're, you're a startup, then as you're thinking about you know, putting together this business, that's an easier time. It's almost like if you have a house and you don't have any air conditioning in it and then, <laughs> and then you got to go back and put in all, all of the vents and all of the different, you know, things that you need to build it, it's harder. But if you design a house with air conditioning in it, it's a lot easier, right? It's it's like starting Actually, over. Well, that's, a, that's a great example. And, and I'll add to that to say, you know, let's use this house analogy uh, a lot of this time, this, that house has been in existence for, you know, 50, 60 years without the air conditioning. Right. And now they're looking and saying, well, now we're, you know, by law, we're being forced to implement an air conditioner. Yeah. And they'll, they'll view it as a, a burden, uh, something that's a negative. Right. And really one of the things that I think, and I ho I'm hopeful that we'll see, is companies starting to embrace privacy as a positive, as a differentiator, really as a way to build trust with the consumer um, to let the consumer know, look, this is the data that we're collecting. This is why we're collecting it. We won't share it unless you ask, you know, unless you give us permission to. Um, and I think if people change that mentality of this is a, a, from a burden to um, a benefit, yeah. you might see uh, uh, some difference. But of course, you know, that's that's easier said than done. I'm not the one having to, you know, redesign a home and, and put in the air conditioner here. So it's, right, uh, I right. understand the, the burden mentality that a lot of these companies have. Right. And I consider it a value added, even for our law firms, you know, uh, for me, you know, the fact that I encrypt everything, anything that I send an email that has anything confidential is encrypted and they and I give them an encryption password that's, you know, multi numbers and stuff like that so that they have they know that they're going to get everything encrypted from me. It's not going to be where they're at work, that they're going to get an email that could be embarrassing, or if at home, their kids can open it or something like that. So, you know, that's a value added even for our law firms that we if we protect their privacy by going further than we, you know, than most people do, then that's a value added, especially when you're doing, you know, uh, financial deals or a divorce or estate planning or anything like that, you know, it is a value added to make sure that you are focusing on protecting their privacy and keeping as much out of the public record as possible, right? You're absolutely right, but you also raise an issue which is goes back to one of the reasons why I really love privacy, and, and that is that everybody has sort of a different privacy temperature, as I like to call it. Right. So if if I was working with you and you sent me an encrypted email and I had to input a password, I would be relieved for all the reasons that you articulated. Right. But I could probably go on the street and find 10 people that would be frustrated and say, why do I have to put in a password um, to get this information? Yeah. So, and, you know, I have had I've had a couple clients who said, Mari, just take off the password. I don't want to be bothered with it. And then I go into all the things about identity theft and what could happen. And they go, 
All right. All right. I said, look, we have one password for the case. It isn't like you have to learn 10 passwords. <laughs> it's one password. It's not that hard. And so, you know, then I usually talk them into it when I scare the heck out of them <laughs> of why they should do it. But you're right. Some of them think it's a burden, but then if they know what the benefits are and what the dangers are, then, you know, but you're right. Some of them say, I don't, I don't need a password. I go, you don't need a password on, on your tax returns? <laughs> Please. Right. I mean, that's the type of information that you would, you know, you would think that most people would want protected. Right. But, but you know, right, some people just view, you know, from the, even from the consumer standpoint, they're viewing passwords as just extra burdens and extra, something extra to remember. Yeah. Um, uh, to, to access information. So, yeah, that's, that's definitely one of the interesting things about privacy is that everyone, you know, has a different temperature and what's private to you may not be private to me. And in a different context, you know, what, I, what may be private to me in context A, I may be happy to disclose in context B. Right. Um, so it's, that's, you know, one of the, the interesting things about privacy, but it's also one of the challenging aspects because how can you craft a law that really you know, a law obviously can't be so individualized that it's going to account for every single scenario because you're always going to find some scenario that no one has thought of. Um, so it, that's what that's what makes, you know, part of these laws that have been enacted challenging because they have to be general to, uh, you know, encompass the large, you know, the, the vast majority of the population. So You're right. Uh, and you know what, Cameron, a lot of times people say, I don't care, you know, privacy is dead anyway, or I don't really care. And they don't care until they call me and say I'm a victim of identity theft, or they don't care until there's some kind of privacy violation that scares the heck out of them, right? And so, um, you know, when they start getting their, their, their name is used in a way that it shouldn't be used, or they, they find out somebody's hacked their emails, or all of a sudden when something happens to them, all of a sudden privacy does become important. <laughs> but yeah, you know, that's, you're absolutely right. And it's, it's sort of like, you know, a lot of common behaviors, right? You'll, you, you know, there's always the, the generic individual that, that ate hamburgers and, you know, pizza and ice cream every day for 20, 30 years. Yeah. And now they have a clogged artery and now they're starting to be very health conscious. And sometimes people don't consider these things until it becomes a problem. And right. that's, that's one of the challenges of privacy. But as much awareness as you can put out there, right, even, you know, take like an anti-smoking campaign, there's still people that are going to smoke. Right. Um, and so, Until they get lung cancer or even then they might continue and figure what the heck. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, you, you, we can only try to get the word out as best we can, but there's always going to be people, uh, outliers, I guess, in this instance that aren't going to care no matter what. And, you know, one of the issues that you, that you see with privacy is uh, enforcement of the privacy. You talked about the Equifax breach and the right. Capital One breach. Um, and I think with Equifax, I think it's $125 that you might be entitled to. Right. Um, you know, what, is that really going to remedy any, any you know, uh, any concerns, of privacy concerns, any privacy violations? No. Um, and you know that's one of the one of the interesting challenges in privacy as well as you know as much as we talk about compliance and protecting there's always the inevitable where no matter what safeguards are in place there is some sort of breach and then yeah. how do you compensate that breach and that's that's another interesting aspect of, of privacy right right you know i remember when we first passed that security breach law in california we have the carrot and the stick the carrot is if you encrypt the data 
And then, you know, then you don't have to disclose the breach. And so that was the carrot. You don't have to disclose. But if you don't encrypt, then you have to disclose. You have to disclose to the people who are affected and to the attorney general. And, of course, then you get fined by the attorney general in California. And, of course, the Federal Trade Commission can do that and all sorts of things. So there, you know, there was a carrot and stick to, to try to encourage companies to encrypt. But if you encrypt and the person who stole the stuff had the key, then, you know, that's, that's a problem too. So, um, yeah, it, it's a difficult situation. And people don't realize that our security breach laws really apply to everyone. It applies to me and you too. You know, if we have a security breach, we have a duty to to tell people who um, have been affected, right? If they, especially if their social security number and you know, law offices collect a lot of that stuff. So there is definitely a lot of personal information that's that's exchanged um, or that a law office you know collects and stores. Right. Um, and you know, truthfully, you know, law offices are are usually not well known to be on the sort of cutting edge of <laughs> encryption and and other types of of technology when it when it comes to preserving that data and securing that data and safeguarding that data, um, which is unfortunate, obviously. But but you're absolutely right. Um, not not to you know, we're talking a little bit about encryption. Uh, there was a recent study that said that even if the information is sort of de de identified. Um, uh, or de-anonymized, de you can still, through through various machine learning technology, right? re-identify, sort of sort of put the pieces back together and identify the individual. So, um, from a from a business standpoint, it's like, well, what 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 can I possibly do, <laughs> right? I mean, I've taken right. the step to identify the information, and now you're telling me some you know machine learning uh, algorithm can come in and and put the pieces back together. Yeah. You're Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, type of of, uh, of mentality in, in that type of situation. So uh, there's there's a lot there's a lot here to to um, to consider from certainly from a from a consumer standpoint and and from a business standpoint. Right. So and and a lot of the people maybe driving by think, okay, well I'm a small company or I'm a small company, so it isn't like I'm a big company like Facebook, but even small companies that collect a lot of information and have a lot of people in their databases, you could be a one person company and have, you know, thousands of people in your database. And if that gets hacked, you you better know what to do and and how to do it. So you know, it's not a good idea to collect more information than you need, and it's a good idea to get rid of that stuff uh, periodically and get get it done. Let's talk about because you had had done a, a wonderful job talking about the uh, Consumer Privacy Act, the California Consumer Privacy Act. So tell tell my audience a little bit about what's going to happen. Of course, I know it's constantly changing, but tell us a little bit about what it means to Californians and actually what it means to the rest of the company, cause, country because a lot of, of other states are looking at what we've done and the GDPR, right? Yes, and so one of the interesting things about privacy is the European Union has one view of privacy, which is more of a sort of omnibus approach, meaning that privacy is sort of a human right and all of your privacy should be, uh, and when I say privacy, I, I should be saying personal information should be protected. 
Now, contrast that to the United States, where you've probably heard of, of HIPAA, right? When you're going to a medical office, you'll see some HIPAA notices, and that's sort of very specific to your, you know, personally identifying health information. Um, and, you, and there's some other ones in the financial sector that are long, you know, acronyms that I, I, won't, I won't bore your audience with. So usually in the United States, privacy is sector-based. So we have, you know, financial sector, and we're talking about the medical sector. What the CCPA has done is taken more of a European Union approach to privacy. It's a very comprehensive approach, and it applies to all of a California consumer's personal information, um, regardless of what industry uh, that information may be held. So uh, a lot of companies that may have been subject to certain privacy laws uh, that were not subject to certain privacy laws in the past are now subject to these laws because they may collect, use, store, or somehow process the personal information of a, of a California resident. Uh, another thing that the Act does is it's a very broad in terms of its definition of personal information as well as its definition of consumer. Really, a California consumer under the Act's definition is somebody that, that's a resident of California. So you could be outside of California, but you, you reside in California, and there's some uh, you know, uh, you know, breach of your personal information, then you're you're still protected under under this act. Um, and I think one of the nice things that the California Consumer Protection Act does is it recognizes what well, we talked a little bit about this earlier, Mar, is that that cons that privacy is really a choice, right? And so the CCPA gives the consumer certain rights in terms of it can ask the consumer can ask the company what type of personal information of mine are you collecting? Right. Uh, the Consumer can can ask the company not to sell uh, his or her personal information to a third party, um, and can also ask that company to you know erase uh, the personal information that you have collected of mine in the past. Um, and so it gives that consumer a lot of sort of authority to be able to go to the business and and make certain demands on that business. Now the, the flip side of that, and we talked a little bit about this when we're talking about the air conditioner, is if I'm a business that I'm not used to this, I, I may not know what information I have. Right. Right? And I won't be able to respond to these types of questions. If, you, if I get a request from a consumer saying, you know, what personal information of mine do you have, I, I, may, I may be ill-prepared to be able to answer that question. And if, and if I am ill-prepared to answer that question, well, now I'm running afoul of the CCPA. So, um, yeah, that's a tough one because, like you were saying, if you've been in business a long time and, you know, marketing has their own stuff and, and maybe sales have their own stuff, and then you don't even know what you've got in all the different databases. Can, right, and, and you, know, you know, sometimes companies have various, you know, we're talking large companies here, have various different sections and sectors, and sometimes, you know, you've acquired company A has acquired company B, and, and they have different systems in place, and so... Company A does it's now all under Company A, but Part One and Part Two, they don't communicate with each other, and you don't know what the other what the other side has. So it's a very it's a very challenging time. Yeah. Um, but I think what the CCPA will do ultimately, at least what it's intended to do, is to force companies to do what I like to just call sort of a data inventory, which is what personal information do I have? Why do I have it? Um, where did I get it from? Um, am I sharing it with somebody else, and do I still need it? Right. Um, and hopefully you can answer those very basic questions about the personal information. And if you can, I think that will you know, you'll, take you a long way in terms of complying. 
with the CCPA. Now, one of the one of the things that's challenging about the CCPA, though, is if I'm a business and I receive a request from the consumer that says, "Hey, tell me what personal information of mine you have," and I can't comply, well, the consumer doesn't really have any way to force that compliance, at least not yet. Um, and so that sort of raises the question of, well, if I have a right as a consumer, but I can't really enforce that right, what am I really getting under this act? So um, that's that's an area that I know has been subject to lots of debate, and you may have read about various amendments to the CCPA right, right. and uh, private right of action, trying to expand that private right of action that would give uh, consumers the right to enforce violations of the act without any sort of, you know, breach of information. Um, that hasn't happened yet. That may happen. And that's something definitely as a litigator I'm interested in, in tracking and, and monitoring. Well, we are just out of time. What a perfect way to end. So I want you to give your law firm and your law firm's website, and it's time to go. Well, I want to thank you very much, Maria. It was a wonderful time uh, chatting with we you. We always have fun talking. Yep. Yes, so, so I will be uh, at Baker Hofstetler in Costa Mesa, and the website there is bakerlaw.com. That's B-A-K-E-R-L-A-W.com, and uh, you can look me up there, and I would be more than happy to answer any questions that any of your listeners have. And I just oh. want to thank you again, Mario. It was, it Fun. was a, a pleasure. Thank <laughs> okay. So thank you very much, and we will have you back again and stay in touch, Cameron. Okay. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. This is Mari Frank. Join me every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at privacypiracy.org. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.